What up, Excel? There it is. That is what's up. Uh, guys, uh, I've got a couple of announcements I want to make sure I reiterate in case you weren't here earlier, but just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. I was really, really excited about our Apple Picky trip, and so we are still trying to make that happen. And so... Uh, the date was moved to October 16th. That's a Saturday. So hopefully everybody's free for that. October 16th, it'll be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So we'd like to have you come here around 9 so that we can leave on time. Spend a few hours out there. For those of you who've never done apple picking, uh, it's what it sounds like. You get into this giant apple orchard. You get a little bag that you used to go to the different apples for different varieties of apples. They're all different kinds. Put it in your bag. There's a corn maze. There's some sunflowers. There's a bunch of other cool stuff. There's a giant barn with all the baked goods that you can buy and get, you know, apple pies and cinnamon donuts and all this really cool stuff. But honestly, it's just getting out of the house and being with each other. And so we're going to get back by 2 o'clock. So if you're interested in doing that, we have forms out available in the foyer for you. Make sure you pick one up. October 16th is just not this Saturday, but the following week. So make sure you get it to us by next week so that we can get you in on that. And then the other thing is momentum is coming up in November. And so we want to make sure that you guys are aware of that. We're going to be giving out those forms soon. Uh, but we are super excited about everything that God's doing on that weekend. And again, just an opportunity for all of us to get together and do what God called us to do. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, John. Uh, I got a couple of things real quick that we were going to get into later, but um, uh, we're starting a new series. It's probably not going to be a long series, but uh, we're starting a new series tonight uh, that I'm calling Heroes. And, um, you know, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, with, with Halloween coming up and, you know, I like to dress my daughter up in little hero costumes. And um, I was just kind of thinking about this idea of heroes. And I love how uh, God just kind of brings things together because I didn't know what the playlist was going to be tonight. But even in that last song, that idea of tell me what moves you, um, the title of this message is A Call to Move. And I was thinking about that. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of a hero myself. I've, I've had a few heroic moments in my life. I've done some pretty cool heroic-like things. And uh, one of them that came to mind as I was thinking about this happened with me and my friend when we were about seventh or eighth grade, right? It was a day very similar to this in the fall. And I don't know if y'all noticed today, it just looked like it was going to rain all day. You know, you know those days where it's just cloudy and you're just like, man, it might rain all day. It may not rain at all, but it just looks like it's about to rain. And me and my best friend growing up, he lived across the street from me. We would always walk to school together. And so we're, we get up in the morning and we're walking to school together. And as we're walking to school, about halfway there, all you heard was that like really loud thunder crack. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, okay, no doubt it's about to rain. And so it was this really loud thunder crack. And then it felt like God just poured a bucket of water onto the earth. Like it felt like those big giant glop raindrops where it's just all falling at once. Like you turn the faucet all the way up. Like when you put a spoon in the faucet and you spread the entire kitchen. Like that's what it kind of came down on. And so sure enough, me and my buddy, we start running right? We're running to school. Now, as we're running, we see this mom who's walking her, had to be like second grade child. And uh, she's, it starts to rain. And this is all we see. I kid you not. This is all we see. The mom squatting down to her daughter. She's like, and then the mom left, <laughs> right? All I could tell, because I couldn't hear, was the mom saying, it's raining. Get to school. I'm going home. And the mom left her daughter 
little, little kid and literally ran in the opposite direction. Now, little girl didn't listen to mom, I guess, because all she did was stand there crying and screaming. And and mom didn't even, I'm like, yo, I was about to call DCFS. Mom just dipped on this little girl. So mom dipped, me and my best friend are running. And as we're running, we're, we're literally, we see this little girl in front of us. We run right past this little girl. And then without saying anything, we both stopped. And then we looked at each other. And when we looked at each other, we didn't say a word, we just went like this. And we stopped, we went back, we grabbed the little girl by her hand, and we ran with her to school, and we brought her into the school. I hope she went to the same school as us, but it was the same uniform. So we ran her into school, and when we get in there, she's like, thank you, mister, thank you, mister. And I looked at my boy, and I was like, yo, we're heroes, bro. Like, we just saved that little girl. He's like, bro, that felt kind of good, man. Like, I feel like we're real heroes. I'm like, what do you mean I feel like? We are real heroes. We, we gave it our all. We were hurting by the time it finished, not because of the run, but because I used to wear a lot of gel in my hair, and it, like, all rained into my eyes, and it burned, like, all get out. So I, like, burned for this little girl. I went through the fire for her. I got her to school safely. I'm a hero. I mean, to a certain extent, right? Or at least to that little girl, I'm a hero. Because the little girl was freaked out. She didn't know what was going to happen. She's just a little kid. She was in a moment where she needed somebody. And me and my best friend, we could have just kept running. We, we already ran past her. We could have just gone all the way to school. But we knew, without even having to say anything, we knew, no, we need to get her. We need to do something about it. And that's what heroes do. Heroes are moved to do something. Heroes see what we see. Heroes encounter what we encounter. But the difference between a hero and any other person is a hero will actually do something about it. And so I was thinking about that as I'm going through the Bible. And I'd love for you guys to open up to the book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read just five verses. It's a real famous story here, but I want to break down a few things. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 35. This story is a real famous story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on what's happening here. Uh, Jesus is having this long conversation with uh, this group of Jewish people. Many of them are like religious scholars who are like not totally sold on him, and they're trying to figure some stuff out. And Jesus is having this conversation, and they're asking, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy's trying to be funny. He's like, okay, but well, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus goes into this story, and, and, and as he goes into the story, listen to what the Bible says. It says, um, Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, this is a known road, okay? So you got to understand context. He's talking to a group of people who get what he's saying. So it would be like me saying, hey, uh, there was this guy who was walking through this really known bad neighborhood in the city. I'm not going to try to dog anybody out, but we know where to go, where not to go. And so we're like, hey, he was going through like blank and blank. And you're like, yo, I don't even walk through certain things like that. I remember growing up, right? There were certain streets or certain neighborhoods. Yeah, you just don't go down that block. And so this was a known road for being robbed and being hurt and potential danger coming up. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And so, so he goes, and as he was going down that road, he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him. 
a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, again, to the people he's talking to, these are people that, A, would have been known to go down that road, but B, would have been the people that you naturally assume are going to help. Like, these are religious leaders. These are people who naturally help. Their job is to help. It would be like somebody was passed out and an EMT passed by and kept on walking. You're like, yo, this is your literal job, bro. Like, why are you continuing to walk by? And so they kind of get this. But then Jesus adds kind of a twist, right? Because I think in their minds, they're like, okay, so the the people who are supposed to help don't help, but a regular person's gonna come by and they're gonna help. But Jesus takes it up a notch. He's not gonna say, hey, you know, the the religious priest and the temple assistant passed by, but then there was just this regular common Jewish kid who walks in and he helped. No, Jesus takes it up a notch and he says this. um, A temple assistant walked by, then a despised Samaritan came along. Now, again, you've heard me say this before in the past if you've listened to my sermons, but just to give you context, the Samaritans were probably one of the most despised groups of people to the Jewish culture. This was super racism right here, okay? They hated Samaritans more than they hated what they would call Gentiles, which was people who didn't even have a relationship with God because the Samaritan, the people who grew up in Samaria were basically half Jew, half Gentile. And so to the Jewish, pure Jewish person, this is the scum of the earth. This is like, we wouldn't even walk through Samaria. We don't talk with Samaritans. We don't associate with Samaritans. So the fact that Jesus says a Samaritan, he even adds the point, a despised Samaritan comes along. To them, they're like, okay, now now he's changing the narrative a little bit. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So I want to walk through just a few thoughts here because I really do feel like this Samaritan exemplifies a hero that's moved. And if you're taking notes, the first thing you need to write down is that heroes are moved into action. Heroes are moved into action. Uh, There's a good and a bad thing about today's society and generation when it comes to seeing any kind of injustice or any kind of of messed up situation going on. Uh, We are really great at calling it out. That's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's messed up but we are very bad at doing anything practical about it. So we call it out, but we don't call ourselves in. We're like, oh, that's messed up. You're like, okay, you gonna do anything about it? No, but that's messed up. <laughs> okay, you gonna, you gonna help the situation in any way? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a post about it. Wow. All of 20 seconds, you put a post that literally will disappear tomorrow. And we think, yeah, I did something. I mean, you did something. I don't know if you did something productive, but you did something, I guess. But a hero is moved into action. See, if me and my best friend, if we were running and we saw that little girl and we kept running and got to school, we could have had a whole conversation that day. Yo, wasn't it messed up how that lady, little girl's mom just left her? That's a messed up mom. We should have called DCFS. We should have reported that mom. That's messed up. I wonder what happened to that little girl. <laughs> I wonder if she ever got to school. I wonder if she was caught in the rain. I wonder if she went home. 
I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And all the time it's I wonder why, because I never did. And there's a lot of us that want to give ourselves a pat on the back because we notice something wrong, yet we don't do anything about it. And this happens all the time. You notice the kid that's getting picked on at school. And even if you don't laugh at the jokes that they make about them, even if you don't participate, if I can say that, in the bullying, do you go out of your way to sit with them? Do you go out of your way to befriend them? Do you go out of your way to tell your friends to shut up, that that's not cool, to make fun of somebody or to mock somebody? See, it's one thing to know that's messed up. You know, when your friends are bragging about all the messed up things they're doing, when you're in the locker room and the fellas are talking about their conquests and and ladies, when you're in there and, and you're pointing out other people's insecurities and issues, are you enough to say, hey, you know what? It's not just that I don't wanna hear it, it's that you shouldn't say it, that's not right. You need to stop that. Because heroes are moved into action. Heroes don't just see it, they do something. James chapter four, verse 17 says this, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Did you realize that it's a sin if you know what you should do, but you still don't do it? You know what? I know I should go and do the dishes because my mom asked me to do it, but I'm just not going to do it. That's a sin. You know, I, I know that uh, I should be more representative of Christ and I shouldn't be making the same kind of filthy jokes that my friends are making right now. I know I shouldn't, but um, I'm still gonna do it. That's a sin. When you know what's right and you still refuse to do it, when you are given an opportunity to be a hero, to make a change, to step up when other people are stepping away and you refuse to, it's not just wrong, it's sin. And again, I'm not saying you have to respond to everything. I'm not saying you got to like install a a, a police scanner in your room and every crime that happens, you got to show up and you got to intervene. I'm not saying that, okay? There are some situations where you're going to hurt yourself. So I'm not trying to tell you to be foolish. What I am trying to say is don't be satisfied just because you notice wrong. Be willing to be a part of the solution because anybody can point out problems, Anybody, anybody can be like, yo, your shoes are messed up, man. Look at how ugly and broke down are your shoes. How, how come you don't get that? Anybody can point that out. But a hero says, hey, man, I, I noticed, you know, you've been wearing the same shoes for a couple of years. And, I mean, I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything, but a couple of us, we, we put a few bucks together and we just, we just want to buy a new pair of shoes. That's a hero. It, what, what does it take you? It takes action. It takes a little bit of effort because anybody can bring somebody down but a hero is able to build somebody up. A hero has the opportunity to put into action, to support. Anybody can laugh at somebody online and make messed up comments, but what does it take for you to just show a little appreciation, to move into action, to recognize, hey man, this person's really hurting, let me step in and just check in on them. You ever been in the hallways at school or just walked around and you saw somebody that you could just tell they weren't doing well? Maybe they they had those tears in their eyes where you could tell that they were crying. Maybe they just are closed off, hiding in a corner. Like, you know they're not okay. But it's enough to know. Even if all you did was go, hey, man, are are you okay? Is there anything I can do? If they shoo you away and it's okay, whatever. But what if they say, no, I'm really hurting right now. You want to talk about it? You, You want to, no, can I sit with you? Yeah, that's fine. It doesn't seem like that's a heroic effort. But man, 
you'd be that person's hero in that moment because you don't know how impactful just sitting with somebody sometimes can be. And I know we have a lot of regrets sometimes when we look back and say, I should have. I should have said this, or, or I should have showed up there, or I should have sent him a text, or I should have sent him a call, I should have reached out, I should have, I should have, I should have. I don't want to live my life with I should have if I'm living my life with doing everything I could. Does that make sense? If you notice in the story, both of the first two men, the priest and the, uh, the servant of the church, they walk by and they see the situation and they cross the road. I think it's interesting. They, they not only not do anything, but they distance themselves from the thing of doing it. And listen, I've been there. Because when you see somebody hurting, when you see a situation in need, to see it and be close to it is to be uncomfortable. And so what do we do? Not only do we not want to help it, we don't want to feel the uncomfortability of it. Because oftentimes that uncomfortability is God, is the voice of the Holy Spirit drawing you in, telling you, hey, we need to do something about this. It's messed up. Moving into action. So the two men come by. They see the situation. They don't do anything. And then the despised Samaritan comes by. And he notices it. And he's motivated to do something. But notice what he's motivated by, right? It says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion. He felt compassion. If you're taking notes, number two, heroes are moved by compassion. What is compassion? It's that feeling that you have to say, that's not right, something needs to be done. It's the ability to feel the pain that they're feeling. It's having that, that combination of passion for somebody else's passion or need. It's when you see a situation and you have that deep-seated sense in you to say somebody needs to do something. That motivates, that moves if you don't have compassion, then you don't have motivation. And oftentimes we lose our compassion for people. You know, when you see the same person on a corner every week, eventually you just get used to them. They become like stop signs on the street. It's just part of the fixture. You lose your compassion for that individual. When you see somebody you know constantly being abused and it happens all the time, at some point you just lose your compassion for them. But compassion is a tenderness and a loving heart towards something that's not right or someone that's hurting. And if you look at Jesus over and over and over again in the Gospels, we hear that he's motivated by compassion for people. Matthew chapter 20, verse 32 through 34 says this. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had what? Jesus had what? He had what? And he touched them. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 41, stick with me here. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with what? Moved with what? Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had what? He had what? Because he were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Every time, Jesus is moved to help people because of his compassion for people. 
And I know some of us in this room, you're like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I hate people in general. Not any particular kind of person. I hate all people. But that's a real easy way to mask your need for people. We need people. We can be annoyed by people. We can be angered by people. But we should never lose our compassion for people. We should never get to a point where we're not willing to extend a loving heart, even for people who we deem as enemies or people that we don't care for, because compassion has a way of pushing you beyond. Look at this Samaritan. He had every right to not help this Jewish guy. You don't think his whole life he had encountered Jewish people and received hate? Again, we, we, we can look at it within our culture uh, because we've had all these issues with race in our country. Uh, this is someone who's probably experienced racism over and over and over again. And now he sees somebody uh, who he might even visualize as an oppressor hurt and on the road. And it could have been easy for him to go, yeah, that's what he gets. I'm glad that happened to him. And yet, he doesn't care that he's a Jewish man because he's a human being. He's a human being in need and who's hurting, and so I will help him. Why? Because he was moved by compassion. So why do we do all these things like for our missionaries and raising all this money for water wells and you know, project rescue, rescuing people in sex trafficking and, and just spreading the gospel? Because here's the problem a lot of times. Very often, we don't think beyond our borders. We don't think beyond our city. We don't think beyond our neighborhood. We don't think beyond our state, our country. The world is so big. I was just sitting yesterday with a missionary friend of mine, and we we're talking about just some of the needs in, in uh, certain parts of Eurasia and, and the multi-millions of people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. And as we're talking about this, again, I just felt my heart moved with compassion for them. Just like Jesus, when he saw people, he was moved with compassion for them. And we've all been there. We've all seen somebody hurting and in need and in struggle, and your heart moves. We need to get to a point where we allow that compassion to help us be motivated to do something, where we still feel love for people, even though we've been desensitized. Some of you, you've been in homes where, where your fights have happened a lot. Some of your parents aren't even together, and, and one parent talks badly about the other parent, and it's hard to have compassion for those individuals, but you have no idea how powerful it is to extend that compassion to somebody when they need it so desperately. I was thinking about this the other day, and you guys might even remember this. A few years ago, uh, we had a young lady who uh, was sharing a testimony during Share the Love and the Grub. And just before that night, uh, she was helping me and some of the leaders put some stuff together, and she had mentioned that she was inviting her father, who had been in jail for a good amount of her adolescence. And I remember asking her, I said, hey, have you forgiven your dad? Because I knew she had a lot of bitterness towards him. And she said, no, I haven't done that. And I just flippantly said, I said, man, it'd be really cool if you did it at Share the Love and the Grub. And she just like sunk in her chair and got really red. And I was like, I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying that'd be dope. And sure enough, she shared a testimony. Her dad was there with her other siblings. And uh, just right there in the middle of her testimony, she said, hey, because of what Jesus did in my life, I can tell you now, Dad, I forgive you. And this big dude just broke down crying. She broke down crying. We all broke down crying if you were in the room that night. Like, it was just so emotional. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, hey, you need to give an altar call and give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus, which was not in the plan that night. And so I just got up. I gave an altar call. And the first hand that was raised was that young lady's father. 
She was moved by compassion for him. Even though he had hurt her, even though she had a, a good reason to not allow compassion to move, she was moved in compassion to show enough compassion to forgive him. And about two, three weeks later, right before Christmas, her father had a heart attack and died. And I just remember thinking, I mean, my mind was blown. I was just like, I can't believe that happened. Uh, but I just remember thinking how much worse it would have been for her had she not allowed compassion to move her to forgiveness. Had she held on to all those things and then in a blink like that lose her father and lose the opportunity to show that compassion. And I believe he's in heaven because his daughter was moved by enough compassion to show him the love of Jesus. That's what compassion does. Would it have been easier for her to hold a grudge? Sure, we can all do that. It's a lot harder to show compassion, but it's also a lot more fruitful. The third thing is this, if you're taking notes. Heroes are moved to action. Heroes are moved by compassion, but heroes are moved to personal sacrifice. Heroes are moved to personal sacrifice because for real heroes, it costs you something to be a hero. Let's go back to the story of the Samaritan. Uh, the Bible says that he's going over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, wine, and bandaged them up. He used his own supplies, wine that he probably needed for drinking, wine that he definitely used uh, as a medicinal aspect to soothe. It's kind of like an antiseptic to take away any kind of debris and make sure that your infections or your wounds don't get infected. Uh, oil that he used to soothe it so that the pain would relieve. This is his personal stuff, his personal bandages. It's not like today where you can just go to any Walgreens and just pick up more supplies. You know, he probably had a limited number of supplies on him, but he used it for him. It says, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an end. Think about this. If he put the man on the donkey, what does that mean for the Samaritan? That means the Samaritan has to walk now. This is a journey that required a donkey. Right? So it would be like me getting out of my car and, and putting you in the car, and I just walk next to the car. Like, this is a journey. And, and again, it's not like you and I, we're just, we barely walk a half a block, right? It's like, nah, man, I drive everywhere. Like, we're going to the corner store, I'm getting in the car. Like, I'm riding my bike, I'm not walking anywhere. But this guy, he gave up his mode of transportation because this guy obviously couldn't walk on his own, and he was willing to walk a distance so that this man could get to where he needed to get to. And then on top of that, he pays for him to be at an inn, and he gives him, two, gives him two silver coins. This would have been enough for this man to stay at that inn for a few weeks. Okay, think about how much sometimes a hotel room costs for a night, $150, $250. This man gives him, gives him enough to stay there at least a month. Oh, and then he tells him, hey, and if he needs to stay here longer, I'll pay you when I come back on the next journey. He doesn't even know this man. Again, it would be like you seeing somebody beat up, hurt on the road, you give them your mode of transportation, you take them to a hospital, and you pay their hospital bills until they're covered and healed. And you never knew this person. Heroes, are moved to personal sacrifice. It costs the man something to do this. Anybody can make a post. It doesn't cost you anything. Anybody can throw a comment. It doesn't cost you anything. But are you willing to move into an action that might cost you your reputation, that might cost you your status or your social climb, that might cost uh, what people think about you? 
Are you willing to move in such a way for God that'll cause you a personal sacrifice, be it your finances, be it your time, your effort, to say, hey, listen, I'm not just gonna talk about it, I'm gonna be about it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 through 16 says this, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God proclaiming our allegiance to his name and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are sacrifices that please God. We were just singing a song, tell me what moves you, tell me what moves you, tell me what moves you. And and I love that idea, right? Because uh, when you love somebody, you're moved to do things that'll that'll please them. And that's the idea of a sacrifice. Uh, It was something that you offered to God. In in those days, there were burnt sacrifices. And so you would pay for a sacrifice. It was your offering. It was a way of showing God that you care for him, a sacrificial way of giving. The same way we might sacrifice our allowance to buy our parents a Christmas present. It was a sacrifice to show God your adoration and your love for him. And I think about that, you know, I... I, I try to make as many as I can sacrifices for my family, and sometimes they're little. I was just commenting to Pastor Jason, uh, AJ and Leo and I were at the gym the other day, and because my uh, Olivia was born in the last month, I hadn't gone in like a month and a half, and so we get in there, and we're working out our arms, we're working out our legs, and, and I'm not even going to lie to you, like from my knees to my shoulders, I feel dead. Like, I am sore, like my back hurts a little bit, but mostly like my hamstrings and my thighs. Yo, taking a poop is painful. Like, I was like, ugh. And then getting up, I was like, mm, I might just stay here. I might just chill. I was about to preach from the toilet, y'all. I ain't even gonna lie. Like, it hurt getting back up. But then my daughter comes by this morning, and she's like, song? I go, you want a song, baby? She's like, song. And a big old smile. Okay, I'll play a song for you. So I play a song on Alexa. She goes, Alexa. I was like, okay, I'll play a song on Alexa. She hears the song. She starts jumping up and down. She's all excited. But then she looks at me. She goes, dance? I go, no, baby. Puppy doesn't want to dance. Dance. Okay, baby, I'll dance with you. Now, you don't understand. Dance isn't just like me dancing in front of her. Dance is pick her up and bounce her up and down while I'll jump and spin around. And so I dance this whole long song, and guess what? When the song ends, she looks at me, she gives me this big smile, and she goes, again. I go, okay, baby. Alexa, play it again. And then I do this other dance, and as soon as that was a, <laughs> again. <laughs> and I dance, and I dance, and I'm hurting, and I'm sweating, and I'm tired, and I haven't slept, but my baby girl is moved. My wife, I do whatever I can do to help. Why? because I want to please them. And if that means a little sacrifice, if that means staying a little longer, working a little harder, doing a little more, it's worth it because I love them. And I know you get that when it comes to family. But do you get that when it comes to God? Now, I'm not saying you have to sacrifice for God to love you because God already loves you at the height of love. There's no way that God can love you anymore because he loves you at the maximum ability of love. There is no one on this earth that could ever love you to the capacity that God loves you. But our sacrifice is a response to such a powerful love. It's a way of saying, God, there's nothing I could ever do to really pay you back or to even love you on the same level that you love me. But if this little sacrifice moves your heart, if it gets a smile out of you the way I can get a smile out of my daughter, 
And even though I'm in pain and even though I'm tired and even though it's been a long day and even though it's gonna cost me something, I'm willing to do it. That's how you become a hero. By doing what you maybe don't feel like doing and maybe you're uncomfortable doing, but you're willing to do it anyways because you know it needs to get done. See, God has called us to be heroes, except we're not the ones who are doing the saving on the grand scheme of things spiritually. Jesus Christ already did that on the cross. If anybody is saved, if anybody receives a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross. So don't get that part twisted. But God has trusted us with being able to pass that gospel message, that information along to others. We are called to move into action by getting the message of the gospel to everyone. We are called to be moved by compassion for the lost. Let me ask you something real quick with that. When was the last time you saw somebody who didn't have a relationship with Christ and you were moved to a point where almost tears came up because you knew they're living a life that's gonna lead them to hell one day? Or they're going through what they're going through simply because they don't understand that they could go through it with God if they were willing to open their heart. When was the last time you were moved by compassion for somebody and your answer wasn't to give them a hug, but to give them Jesus? This is compassion for the lost. And honestly, I think we've lost that a long time ago. I think we got to a point where like, you do you, I'll do me, let's whatever. But do you have enough compassion for your coworkers, for your uh, classmates, for your family to at least offer the opportunity of Jesus? At least tell them about your experience with God and give them a chance to experience it for themselves. We're called to move into action by getting the message across. We're called to have compassion for the lost and we are called to make personal sacrifices so that others can receive what we get to enjoy in our relationship with God every day. We get to be God's heroes on earth but we have to be willing to do those things. And so, I'm giving you a very practical way to accomplish this. Uh, we have been on a journey right now to try to raise over $42,000 for missions. We're about a fourth, under a fourth there. We raised just about 8,000, which praise God for that. I think that's amazing. But we also really only have three, four months left to try to raise the rest of the money. And Am I gonna be upset if we don't reach? No, because I really do believe that results are God's department, but faithfulness is our responsibility. And so if you've been faithful to what God called you to do, then I'm gonna be happy. But I don't know if we've all been faithful in that. And I do think there's more that God wants us to do for it. And so we are gonna do something. And at the end of this month, we're putting together a little walkathon. And it's nothing crazy. We're not asking you to, you know, eat something disgusting or, or, you know, push your body to the limit where you throw up and you're vomiting all over the place. Although for some of us, you know, walking that distance might do that. But all we're asking to do is we're going to give you a little form. Just, you know, some of you have done it in school. And you ask sponsors. And you say, hey, I'm going to walk X amount of miles. Would you be willing to sponsor me for every mile? You can give me just a one-time thing or you can sponsor the mile. And listen, family members, friends, they're willing to support you because they love you. But are you willing to go out of your way to say, hey, listen, I'm gonna find 
10 people to give me $10, I'm gonna raise 100 bucks. I'm gonna find 20 people to give me 20 bucks and I'm gonna raise X amount of dollars. You can do the math, Jonathan. But this is something that I didn't plan just for us. This is something that we've been trying to work on within the whole state, within the whole district. Something that we can not only raise at the end of this month, but let this become a checkpoint into what we're gonna be taking with us to Momentum.